Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Listen, I, I've got a word this morning that I want to share with you. I mean, we could leave right now and and that would be well empowered, but I I want to share this word real quickly with you this morning. Uh, it's just something that the Lord dealt with me about last week. Uh, it's in Genesis chapter 32, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 20 just to, to be uh, quick this morning. I'm not going to be long. I'm going to be very specific uh, and just give you this, this uh, flyover of this, this message this morning. The, the word that the Lord has spoke to me last week and, and uh, is this, the danger of appeasement. The danger of appeasement. And I know that's kind of a weird title, but uh, I'll, I'll bring that around to you in, in just a few minutes. In Genesis chapter 32, uh, we're going to read, beginning with verse 20. Just to kind of bring you up today, what's going on, Jacob. This is in the story of Jacob. Jacob, you know, is the supplanter. He's the one that has deceived uh, his family. He deceived his father, Isaac. Uh, uh, he stole the birthright from his brother, Esau. Uh, he went to Laban's house and uh, was... Uh, received some of the rewards of his deceiving from Laban. Uh, and, and so now is coming back. Things are, are coming full circle, which they always do, guys. Things always come for, full circle. And so now Jacob is in a position to where God has, has uh, spoken to him to go back to Canaan, to go back to his homeland where his father, his birthplace, and to go back there. But in order to go back there, there's Esau. There, there, there are people here this morning and those that will listen to this live stream today that there are places that God wants you to go, but you are so afraid of Esau. You're so afraid of going back to face the Esau in your life. And so I read this last week, and God began to deal with me on the danger of appeasement. In Genesis chapter 32 and verse 20, Jacob is sending, uh, telling his servants that he's going to send different groups ahead uh, to meet Esau, which is typical of Jacob. All right? Now this man is sending out flocks and herds and gifts and things like that. He even gets down to the place where he sends his wives and children out to go before him just in case Esau attacks and does harm. Because that was Jacob. Mess with everybody else, but don't mess with me. All right. Jacob said, and you shall say moreover your servant Jacob is behind us. Now listen to this. This is Jacob. For he thought, 
Everybody say thought. He thought. Jacob thought, I may appease him with the present that goes ahead of me. And afterward, I shall see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present passed on ahead of him, and he himself stayed that night in the camp. I want you to notice those words and the thought that Jacob had by sending presents and all of this out ahead of him so that his brother Esau would see all of these gifts before he saw Jacob. Jacob's thought and Jacob's thinking and his mindset was this. I want to appease my brother by these gifts so that when he sees these gifts, he might be accepting of me. Thank you, Father, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can take your seat this morning. I want to give you the definition of the word appease. But before I do that, I want to give you an example of the failure of appeasement. Back prior to the beginning of World, World War II, Neville Chamberlain was the British Prime Minister. He began to have dialogue with one named Adolf Hitler of Germany. He and Adolf Hitler uh, had, had meetings or summits that uh, Germany was, was on the move. They were, they were reaching out, doing land grabs and things such as this. And uh, Mr. Chamberlain and Hitler would meet, and Hitler would, would give uh, the details of things that, that they were wanting to do and, and desiring to do. Chamberlain would, to, for the, the cause of peace and maintaining peace, Chamberlain would concede to the things that Hitler was wanting to do. And he would come back to his country and say, in, in the name of preserving peace, uh, we'll allow him to do this. This is, this is not that bad of a deal, so we will allow him to do that. On several occasions, this took place. Always, Hitler would go back and, and do more than he had said that he was going to do. He would grab more land than he had originally said that he was going to do. It came down to the place after several times of offering concessions to Hitler in order to avoid conflict that Germany began to move in on Great Britain and move in on these other countries. World War II had begun. It started in a negotiating room where concessions were made, appeasement was offered in order to try to avoid conflict. It had grown to the point then that 
that the concessions and the appeasing of the enemy had gotten too big to be controlled by the allies. I'm saying that to say this. You cannot appease the demons of your past. You cannot appease the things of your past. Because when you try to appease your past, your past is going to always take more than you bargained for. The past will always reclaim territory greater than you thought imaginable. Now let me give you the, the definition to the word appease. The word appease means to cover, to cover over. It means to pacify, to cover over or to pacify. Many people try to pacify their past. We try to cover over our past. Doesn't matter how dark it was and all that, we want to cover over our past. We don't want anybody to see our past. We, we, want to, we want to appease it. We want to pacify it. We want to coat over. That, uh, that word cover over, if you trace it down a little bit further, it comes from a word pitch. And pitch was a slime that was found in the uh, area of the Dead Sea over in the Middle East. Pitch is what Noah used to cover the ark inside and out. You can read that in Genesis. Noah took pitch and, and daubed it on the ark. It was a, it was a form, uh, it was a sealer, and it sealed things uh, in, in Genesis chapter 6. And, and Noah used that to, to, to cover uh, Moses' mother when she built the ark for Moses to place the baby Moses in the, the bulrushes by the Nile River. She took pitch and, and uh, put on the little basket so that it would remain afloat. What I'm saying is that pitch is a picture of the anointing. Pitch is a symbol of the anointing. The, the Holy Spirit is that that seals you as a believer. And, and pitch is a picture of the Holy Spirit that seals you and I. But what we do many times in our, uh, in our thinking like Jacob was thinking was, is that we think that we can, we can cover our past, we can, we can pacify our past by, by trying to walk in an anointing that God says, I cannot anoint what you are trying to do. See, the Bible says that, that Jacob thought, he thought, he thought that he could pacify his brother Esau. But here's the thing, and here's what happened was, when Jacob began to, the journey back to Canaan, his homeland, his land of nativity or birth, he found out that his brother Esau was coming to meet him with 400 men. What happened was when Jacob heard that, fear came into him. Fear consumed him. And he began to try to figure things out on his own. 
he began to try to say to himself, listen, if you read the story in, the, in Genesis chapter 32, you'll see where Jacob sent messengers in, in verse 3. He sent messengers to Esau, his brother, uh, in, in the country of Edom. He commanded them, telling them what they needed to say. Uh, and, and he sent oxen and, and donkeys and, and sheep and men servants and women servants. And he sent all of that out to Esau, uh, trying to appease him. And, but the messengers came back and they said, We came to your brother Esau, and I'm in verse 6, and I'm trying to move real quickly. Uh, because, I, you know, I don't want you to miss the buffet. But uh, but the messengers came back, and they came back in verse 6, and they said to Jacob, We came to your brother Esau, and also he's coming to meet you, and 400 men with him. The Bible says in verse 7, Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And that's when he began to divide the people and do all these things. But if you look down in verse 9, something very interesting takes place. Jacob had already begun, the, the wheels were spinning in Jacob's mind. How am I going to get past this enemy? I, I want... I. Uh, God's already said, go back to my homeland, but i got to deal with Esau. So how am I going to get past this? So he begins uh, within himself to, to plot and plan a way to deal with Esau by his own thinking. Can I tell you something while we're right there? Sometimes my worst mess up is when I try to figure it out on my own. All right, when I, when I start thinking and I start trying to figure things out on my own because I'm fearful of my past catching up with me. But I want you to notice something. After Jacob did this, the Bible tells us in verse 9 that Jacob began to pray. Isn't that amazing? So, so to sum it all up, Jacob says, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to fix this problem. This is how I'm going to deal with Esau, but now I'm going to go pray about it. Just giving you all a little time to soak that in because I know it's Sunday morning and you know, you might not you, you might not get what I'm I'm saying. Jacob had already put the plan in motion of how he was going to fix things, but then he goes to God and begins to pray and try to invoke the blessing of God on what he's decided to do. I know I'm talking to somebody. All right? 
So the Bible says that, that Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and the God of my father Isaac, the Lord which said to me, Return to thy country and thy kindred, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all your mercies. And, and then he goes on down and, and he says, Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my, father, of my brother, uh, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. So Jacob has sent all these things out to Esau with the thought that I can appease him. But what he didn't catch was and didn't understand was that when God puts a finger on your life, that means that you are blessed. And in order, listen, Jacob was blessed but he wasn't walking in the blessing. It's amazing they sing that, sang that song this morning, The Blessing. Because Jacob was blessed, but he wasn't walking in the blessing. You say, Pastor, can, can I be blessed and not walk in the blessing? You sure can. I heard a story years ago of an elderly lady that lived in a little one-room shack that, uh, that had holes in the roof, holes in the walls, and she slept on a little single mattress and, and uh, had no food in the house. And uh, everybody thought that she was uh, in poverty, that she was the poorest uh, thing, and they would bring food to her and all of that. And when this uh, poverty-stricken elderly lady passed away, they went in and, and was going to just set fire to, to uh, that little one-room shack, and, and they decided, let's go in and clean it out in case family comes and says they want some of her possessions, and in the process of cleaning it out, they realized that there was over $3 million tucked under the mattress that she had been uh, laying on. She was not in poverty, but she was living like she was in poverty. She was not poor, but everybody thought she was poor. She looked like she was poor while she was laying on millions of dollars. Listen, you can be blessed, but not walk in the blessing. You can have your daddy can own the cattle on a thousand hills, but that doesn't mean that you are inheriting the blessing that he's given you. You can, you can have the blessing, but it doesn't mean that you're blessed. So I want you to understand, Jacob was blessed, but he was not walking in the blessing. But listen, and he was still trying to figure things out and make things work according to that old deceptive attitude that he had had for years and years. The problem, ladies and gentlemen, is this, that, that God wants to do a work in your life, but you've got to realize that you've got to stop doing what you've always done and reacting in the way that you've always reacted. You will never get free from the bondage that you're in if you continue to pacify and try to cover things up and act like you've always acted. You will always drift to the negative. Listen, Jesus said this. 
He said in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 16, you can't take a piece of old garment and sew it onto a new garment. It just will not work. You can't take a, a new wine and put it in an old wine skin. It just will not work because the old, the new wine, when it's placed into an, uh, an old wine skin, will always expand. Listen, what God is doing in your life, the reason that you're in so much misery and struggle in your life is there's new wine in your life and you're trying to keep it in an old wine skin and it's expanding and it's, and it's growing and the gases are going to expand that new wine. That's the reason that you feel like you're gassed up all the time. And listen, it's because you're constipated spiritually. You need you need some, some dunkelax to get in your life and get some things broke loose from your past and let God do a work. Don't know where that came from. I didn't have that on my notes. but So Jesus said the bottles will break if you don't recognize that when a new thing happens in your life, you cannot stop with just the one new thing. There's got to be a new attitude, a new way of viewing things, a new mindset, a new way of, a new vocabulary, a new circle of friends some new things have got to happen in your life if you don't understand that you will always revert back to the old way because the old way will always dominate the new way if you try to put the new way into the old wine skin man I about confused myself right there but you understand what I'm saying Listen, we talk about Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and, and we talk about that. But how many of you know that transformation is painful? I'm going to sl slow down just a minute so I can get my breath. Transformation is painful. It was fun getting in the mess, but it's going to be painful getting out of the mess. Sin is fun for a season, but the season doesn't last long. If you want to get out from the mess that you're in, you've got to recognize that it's going to take some self-denial. Every new thing that God has done or will do will be done through a battle that takes place in the minds of those who have become so accustomed to the old with this mindset that the old is better. God wants to do a new thing in your life. Well, you know, I like the old way of doing it, Pastor. We need to bust this wall out so that we can have room for the people that are coming in. Well, Pastor, you know, uh, we've had it like this for 50 years and we don't need to change. I ain't talking about y'all here, okay? 
Listen, the, the attitude that the old is better is the poison that kills the blessing of the future. We appease in order to please. We let our past direct our future in order to please ourselves. All right. I'm 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 fixing to land. I want you to catch this. Immediately following in uh, Genesis chapter 32, immediately following Jacob's attempt and his thought to cover things over with Esau and to appease his brother so that he could just walk in and Esau was going to see all these gifts and he was going to be blown away and he was going to say, man, I love you so much, Jacob. Thank you so much for all these sheep these oxen and all of that, you are the greatest. Don't worry about what happened. Don't worry about you deceiving me and all that. It's good. Just, man, just bring the gifts on. But God, <laughs> I get tickled at this sometimes because in my attempts to try to appease things in my past or in my life, God says, when you get through thinking about it, you're still going to go through this. When you get through trying to figure it out, I'm still going to deal with you. You see, following that, in Genesis chapter 20, I mean, verse, chapter 32 and verse 20, Jacob winds up by himself at the ford of Jabbok. Amazingly, the name Jabbok means emptying. So, in other words, Jacob winds up at night by himself at the ford Jabbok, which means the ford of emptying. Because God cannot fill you with something new and something great until he divests you of yourself. The Bible says that Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, emptied himself. He emptied himself so that he could do for us what needed to be done. Jacob winds up by himself at the ford of Jabbok, which means emptying. He was left alone, and the Bible says that as he was left there, I don't know how it came about and how it happened and all that, but the Bible says that as he was there, a man wrestled with him that night. An angel of the Lord wrestled with Jacob. And it was in the process of wrestling that something, I believe, uh, happened in Jacob's life. He realized that his way of doing it was not going to work. And somewhere in that, uh, in that transition there or that, that event that was taking place, Jacob recognized that, hey, God, what you're trying to do in my life uh, is you're trying to deal with my character. 
You're trying to change a mindset in me. You're trying to change the way that I've been thinking. Somewhere in the exchange there between the wrestling with this, the, the angel of the Lord, Jacob began to realize, you know what? All my life I have deceived people. All my life I have been a supplanter. All of my life I have, I have done everything I could to deceive people and then I would cover it up and I would move on. But in the middle of that battle, Jacob had a revelation that God, you're not trying to kill me. You're trying to change me. You're trying to do something in my life to get me to recognize that my character has been robbing me of the blessing. My character has been keeping me in the same mess that I've always been in. And so God, what I'm going to do right now is I'm not going to let you go until you do a work in my character. I'm not going to let you go, God, until you do a work in my life. I am tired of going back and repeating the sins of the past over and over and over again. And so, God, I'm going to hold on to this angel. I'm not going to let you go. And the angel said, you need to let me go. It's breaking daylight. And Jacob said this, and I want you to get this. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Somewhere down the line, ladies and gentlemen, we get to a point in our life where we make up our mind. I'm not going to let go of the horns of the altar until I get a blessing from God. I'm not going to let go of where I am until God moves on my behalf. I'm not going to let go until I see you move in my children's life or my family's life or my marriage. I will not let go. I will not let you go until you bless me. Let, if you don't get anything else out of this message, write that down somewhere in your Bible. Put it down in your iPad or your phone. I will not let go until you bless me. See, because God was dealing with a character trait in Jacob's life that even though he was blessed, that character trait would rob him of his ability to walk in the blessing. Do you understand what I'm saying? The church, the body of Christ, is the most powerful force on the face of this planet, period. The church. The body of Christ. We have the power and the authority. Listen to me, guys. Don't, don't turn me off yet. I'm going to let you go. We have, is the Bible the word of God? Yes. Is it true? Yes. Is it for you or is it for the Jews in Israel? It's for all of us. And the Bible says this, that if I have the faith as a little bitty grain of mustard seed, that I can say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And the Bible says that it will go. But yet the church is not for some reason, is not fully walking in the blessing that God said, I want to give you. Could it be? 2 Chronicles 
if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, that we talked about several weeks ago, could it be that God is using this pandemic? Could it be that God is using all the, the racial unrest in, in, our, in our nation to get the church back to a place of where we come together and realize that it is absolutely, unequivocally not a black and white issue in the body of Christ, but that we need to come together as a people that are walking on two legs, breathing God's good air, and understand that we've been called and chosen by God and that God wants to bring all people together so that we can become what he has called us to be. Listen, the other day I, we, we had the opportunity to meet. Uh, there was about 25 of us pastors that met in Atmore and uh, all different races came together and we met and we sat down and we just began to talk and, and I never realized uh, so many things as I realized sitting there in that meeting. But I'm so excited that, that the pastors of this area uh, see uh, the, the need to come together and recognize, listen, when we understand that we can come together and reason together as men and women in the body of Christ, Christ, that we can avert and avoid all of this other stuff that's going on. That is what God's wanting to do. And listen, I'm not, I'm not uh, downplaying anything that's going on, but I believe there's a greater thing that God is saying uh, to the United States of America, the church in the United States of America, and that is this, come back to your first love. Get back to a place where you love me and will follow me because it is it is time because Jesus is coming soon. I'm taxing to the place. God dealt with Jacob's weak character. And one of the things that I think is very important in this chapter, Genesis 32 and verse 27, is this. The angel of the Lord asked him a question. He said, what is your name? What is your name? And he had no response but to say, Jacob. What he was doing there was recognizing that he was a deceiver and a supplanter. Listen, God will always get you to a place that he will give you the opportunity to acknowledge who you are, really who you are. Not who people think you are, but who you really are. Jacob said, I'm a supplanter, I'm a deceiver. The angel said to him in the next verse, verse 28, he said this, he said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God, or you have battled with God, and with men, and you have prevailed. And I'm, I'm going to skip that. Listen. In Genesis 27, I want, I want you to see what God can do when you come to the place of emptying and you empty yourself and open yourself up to be filled 
with his presence. There is no circumstance and no situation that is beyond the ability of God to change. In Genesis chapter 27 and verse 41, there's a verse there that, that says this, that after Jacob had deceived his brother Esau, that Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay, then will I kill my brother Jacob. God will bring it from that. Listen, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who is, is the player in your mess. It doesn't matter if it's players singular or players plural in your mess. God will move in your mess, and he will deal with those who are causing the mess. Catch this. It went from Jacob or uh, from Esau saying, when I find him, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to mourn for daddy for a few days, and then I'm going to kill my brother. In the book of Genesis, chapter 33 and verse 4, the Bible says that when Esau looked and saw his brother Jacob, that Esau, Esau, not Jacob, Esau, the one that said, I'll kill you when I see you. Esau, the one that said, I'm going to take care of you. You robbed me. You lied to me. You cheated me. I'm going to kill you. Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and wept. I know this message is not for everybody in this room today, but I'm telling you there's a word from the Lord that is there for somebody because you have been so concerned about your past. But what you don't know is that even though your past has come at you with 400 trained and armed men, that you don't realize that God is going to deal with your past. He will cause your past to run and embrace you and grab you around the neck and tell you I love you so much I'm so glad to see you would you stand with me please so what is the answer in me getting past my past what is the answer of when I have the battle at the book the, the fort of Jabbok, and I empty myself of who I am, what is the answer from there on? Listen, it is giving yourself over to God. It is not a one-time attendance at church that's going to make the change in your life. It is a consistent, listen, get some new friends. Get some new relationships. keep going back to the same type of people over and over again and you wonder why you get the same results. I tell, I, I, I tell my daughters, I told my daughters, 
And, I, and now I remind them every once in a while of the truth and the wisdom by which I spake to them. You ain't going to find a good husband in the local bar. Don't find you a husband in the bar and bring him out thinking you're going to change him. Because he'll come to you, come with you to church for a few weeks, and when he gets that ring on that finger and that, that uh, license written down, all that, he ain't coming back to church. He ain't. I'm sorry, baby. He ain't. He ain't going to do it. Get some new friends. Get connected with a small group of church people that love Jesus. Get connected with people that's going to hold your feet to the fire, so to speak. Come on, Jacob. God's wanting to change your name. No gender intended there. Come on, he's wanting to change who you are. He's want listen. Do you realize that Jacob was the one that would give plant the seed that would give birth to the 12 tribes of Israel? No wonder the devil wants to rob of your blessing. No wonder the enemy wants to keep you away from your blessing. Jacob, quit hanging around the Labans. Quit thinking that you're going to get ahead by doing it with Laban. Understand this, that God's got greater things ahead for you. But you're not going to get it as long as you're on the street corner down there trying to deal with yesterday's friends. Man, it is hard to quit. I really sense this morning that there are people that are, there are those, not, maybe not everybody, but there are those that are listening to this word this morning that God is, is directly challenging you because you are a Jacob. And you looked in the mirror this morning and you saw loss, you saw pain, you saw struggle, you saw bondage, you saw yourself in the past and God brought you here this morning at McCullough Christian Center in the middle of a cotton field to tell you that God is saying I want to do something great in your life there is a blessing that is following you but you will never realize the extent of that blessing until you deal with your past would you bow your heads with me please If we could go back to the song, which I'm not going to ask him to come this morning, but if we could go back to the song, The Blessing. It says, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. 
the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. To your children, to their children, and to their children. In the morning, at noon, in the evening, in my laying down, in my getting up, the blessing of the Lord be upon me. You see, friend, maybe God is saying today, I want to give you revelation that the curse has been broken and the blessing has come. And Father, I pray this morning over those that are in this room today and those that, that will be watching. Father, I pray over them this morning. I thank you for the Jacobs that are going to listen. I thank you for the Jacobs that are going to be transformed today. And Lord, I just bless them this morning. I thank you today, Father, in the name of Jesus. That, Father, though they've been blessed, now they're going to begin to walk in the blessing. In the name of Jesus. I pray for that mom and dad that's here this morning that's having to watch a child or a grandchild drift into addiction and drift into failure and sin. I pray for them this morning that they will begin to stand up and in the middle of all of the mess, they will begin to declare over their children, you are blessed of the Lord. You will not die, but you will live. You will not fall to addiction, but you will rise to redemption in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for that. I bless this house this morning. I thank you today for what you're doing, God, that you're bringing people and you're bringing us together as the body of Christ. Lord, we pray over our communities. We pray over our cities and our state. We pray over all the things that's going on around us. God, bring healing. God, bring healing to our land. Bring healing to our families in the name of Jesus. And we give you praise. Amen.